Hi, friends. This is episode 41 of the Bible Lab Podcast. You are listening to the Bible Lab Podcast, recorded before a very lively audience on the campus of Loma Linda University. Here's your host, Roy Ice. Hi, everybody. It is so great to be back with you. I have a real special treat for you on this episode. We are going to be talking about how God answers your prayers, specifically when you ask for providence. Is it okay to ask for signs? And when you do, how does God respond to that? Is he open to it? Does he prefer us to not do that? And in order to bring this conversation to light, I am absolutely excited to introduce to you, our listening audience, to one of my great friends. His name is Raul Esperante, and Raul has been part of the Bible Lab forever and has actually taught several times at the Bible Lab, but this is his podcast debut. We all love him at the Bible Lab. He is very deep, very fun, and very, very smart, and I can't wait for you to hear his perspective today. So sit back, relax, and enjoy getting to know Raul. Welcome to the Bible Lab. All right. So we start with the questions. And usually they are very hmm, tricky. The questions. Hmm? Sometimes I, I have to. I, I tell Pastor Eyes, you know, I, I can't answer those questions because if I answer yes, I'm wrong. If I answer no, I'm wrong too, and I'm always wrong. I gotta be right sometimes. So let's try today. First question. You know, you have to raise the the card. Everybody got the cards. Okay. First question. I'm more skeptical than the people sitting beside me. And you are not skeptical, of course. Okay, it seems that it's about 70% yes, 30% no's, and a few that neither are skeptical nor is, they are not. They are or not. I don't know. They're just confused. Are they? Second question, don't believe anything you see and only half of what you read. Here are the scientists. Okay, it seems that in the majority, I'd say 90% of people say yes, a few, Mah, I don't care, or I don't know, and a few no's too. Hmm? This is a, a university Focus on sciences. And you're telling me, don't believe anything you see. And you say, yes. Wow. Should I send my children to study here? <laughs> These are scientists. And they say, don't believe everything you see and only half of what you read. Wow. Okay, third question. Other people are more critical of my work than I am. Predominantly no's. You feel that you're not critical enough with you, with yourself? Are you married? 
they got it here in the first row. They got it quickly. It seems that hmm, you're not critical enough. Four questions. People with a strong faith do not need to ask for providential signs from God. They recognize his voice. Oh, come on. Raise your cards. Mostly... I'd say 65% no's and about 30% yes, and the rest is maybe, I don't know. Okay. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see today in the lesson. We'll see what, what the Bible tells us about, about being skeptical, about uh, needing signs, about asking God. Is that is, is right to ask God for a sign? And what kind of sign? And what is the appropriate answer? Is one answer sufficient? Do we need two or three or four signs and answers? Does God get tired of us asking for signs? God is very, fifth question, God is very economical with his providence and only speaks using signs during crucial moments of your life. Mostly no's. A few yeses that are, of course, wrong. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry, but... Uh, oh, here, you're about to marry, and one says yes, and the other says no. No, no, something is not going to work there. <laughs> okay, so today's scripture takes us back to this character that we have been studying for at least one week, right? Gideon. Gideon was a farmer. And what we, we get from scripture, scripture is that he was a somehow wealthy farmer because he had many servants, a bunch of them, because he hired, apparently he told them, not hired them, he told them, the night before, last night, he told him, hey, guys, get up. We're going to turn down, t tear down that uh, pole of Asherah. So he had many servants. It means that he was well-placed in society. And then the story continues. Remember, the setup was God came down and was sitting under a tree. You know, you've got to understand this. You've got to know this. In ancient Hebrew uh, culture, the, the image, the picture of the perfect, peaceful life for a person was, uh, um, let me rephrase this, the representation, the image of the perfect, peaceful life was sitting under a tree. Specifically, a fig tree. That's why there are fig trees everywhere in Lebanon and uh, in uh, Israel. And I planted two in my backyard just in case. <laughs> okay? For my own sake. Sitting under a fig tree or a, a, a um, what's it called? The grape uh, tree. What's it called? A vine. Okay? Sitting there, it means you are well in life, you are happy, your life goes well. This is God coming down and sitting under a tree. But this tree is different. It's a terebinth. It's a larger, much larger, larger tree. 
So Gideon recognizes God. God is sitting there. I got to talk to him. And they have this conversation that we discussed, we, we studied last week. This week, the conversation goes on. Let's read it. Verse is chapter 6, verse 17, and we're not going to read through uh, verse 22. Um, the red microphone, please. And he said to him, If now I have found favor in your eyes, then show me a sign uh, that it is you who speak to me. Please do not depart from here until I come to you and bring out my present and set it before you. And he said, I will stay till you return. So Gideon went into his house and prepared a young goat and unleavened cakes from an ephah of flour. The meat he put in a basket and the broth he put in a pot and brought them to him under the terabith and presented them. And the angel of God said to him, take the meat and the unleavened cakes and put them on this rock and pour the broth over them. And so he did. Then the angel of the Lord reached out the tip of his staff that was in his hand and touched the meat and the unleavened cakes. And fire sprang up from the rock and consumed the meat and the unleavened cakes. And the angel of the Lord vanished from his sight. Then Gideon perceived that he was the angel of the Lord. And Gideon said, Alas, O Lord God, for now I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. So here's a test. It's the first test. Um, Gideon is face to face with this angel of the Lord uh, whom Gideon recognizes. So if Gideon recognizes that he is the angel of the Lord, why is he testing him? Now I want to ask you, and uh, you raise your hand to participate, I want to ask you if you have ever tested God. It's the question that we have here to begin with. Have you has God ever communicated to you through signs? Meaning, have you ever tested God to give you an answer through a sign? And what was your experience? And how did you come to believe that it was, in fact, God? Have you ever tested God? Have you received a sign from God? Raise your hand to tell your experience. Here. We have. Just a quick question. Um, in the uh, in the different versions of the Bible, it says he he brought an offering. So was this hospitality, or was it an offering to give to the angel? Uh, it didn't seem like it was a test at first. I think the tests are coming later. For me, I thought this was more of an offering or some sort of hospitality that he bestowed on this person that he met. It's a good point, and I wonder why then the, the angel of the Lord burned it. Yeah. And, and why Gideon ends up saying, oh, now I know that the Lord is, is with me. Maybe we start out with a, an offering that ends up being a test or a sign. Maybe the angel of the Lord knew the, the heart, the, Gideon's heart, that needed an extra piece of evidence. I don't know, brother. I don't know the heart of Gideon. I wasn't there. But if I bring an offering, if I place my offering in the beacon today, 
And then after I get out, I receive a extraordinary sign. Well, I accept it. I'm going to be happy. I will not reject that. Have you, do you have a story of testing God or God talking to you, to you through a sign? That, you, okay. There's I kind of cried out maybe two months ago. I was going through a lot of stuff and I was at work and I broke down, went to the bathroom and I just said, oh God, like where are you? Like are you here? And I'm one of those guys that thinks God, like he, providence is used sparingly. I'm one of those guys that said yes. So I go to the bathroom, I cry for five minutes, and I said, God, where are you? I come back to work, and I get my phone, and I have seven sisters, different mothers. Anyway, uh, they're all over the place. As soon as I came back from the bathroom, I got a text message from one in Hawaii. I just want to let you know I love you. Hmm. I'm like, oh, okay. Two hours later, I get another, I get a Facebook message from another sister in Washington State. I just want to let you know me and my family are praying for you. Another hour later, another sister, another half-sister. They're all over the place. They don't talk to each other. Different mothers. Like, sends me a text message. So I'm like, God, like, really? I go home and I'm like, like hours later, and I'm just thinking, no, I, this can't be, mm. this can't be. So I text my brother and I say, hey, did you talk to any of our sisters with different mothers? <laughs> and he goes, no, no, not at all. So I just like say, God, okay. I was having issues with a friend of mine, and I said, okay, let this person call. Ten minutes later, the phone calls. Like. I don't know. Yeah. Yes. God, maybe. Did, yeah. did you ask God? For and I remember those? different mothers. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, blame him on the mothers. <laughs> did you ask God for that, for those I mean, signs? Like, show me. No, but I no, said, you like, didn't. show me that you're, you care okay, about Okay, this is very interesting. Sometimes, well, I think... Always, or most of the times, at least, God is, is talking to us. And we just don't hear him. We don't see him. One has to be careful. I have a friend of mine who was dealing with a career choice, A or B. God, give me a sign as to which career I should go. He tells me. All the signs from God, it was unmistakable, choice A. He has regretted that choice ever since. Mm. So we have to be careful with asking for signs. Very good. Very wise. We'll come back to that point later. When I was courting Grace, my present wife, I was quite interested. So I said, Lord, help me to know. And I would get a letter from Grace where she would talk about something I was very interested and very concerned about. And I would pray again, and I'd get a similar letter, a different subject. This happened 
five times. I finally said, Lord, you're saying yes. I'm not going to ask you anymore. Just teach me to love her. Good, very good, very good. I like it. But I believe that it, when, when deciding about the marriage, I think our, the ladies are the ones that have to pray more. <laughs> Go ahead. We, my husband and I had an experience, and I guess we had one sign. We were at a, a, a law meeting. Um, I had registered for a class that I couldn't take, so I made my husband, the doctor, go into the class. It was an assemblage of people talking about religious liberty, people from all over the world. Across the table from him at luncheon was a man whose name was obviously American, but he was wearing a badge, Albania. And so when they had a break, my husband said, you know, what, what's the deal here? And he said, I've come to this country to look for medical coverage for a clinic in Albania. There was one doctor, as far as I know, in that room, and he was sitting right across from this guy. So my husband says to me that night, do you want to go to Albania? Are you kidding? I certainly do not. But he kept seeing this man and talking with him. And finally, I went to talk to the man. And I said, you know, we're at Seventh-day Adventist. And he did a, he said, oh, well, that doesn't matter to me. But the people I work with, some of them don't think Adventists are Christians. Hmm. And uh, I, I, I tell you, I didn't know what to do. We just kept praying. And we just kept feeling that God wanted us there. It took us a whole year to find out why we were there, but we went, and it really changed our lives. Thank you for sharing that with us. Thank you. Um, a few years ago, well, let's go first to this. This, uh, this is a moment in my life that I've always thought of and cherished. It wasn't a request or a ask for a sign, but an experience, I feel that was a direct response of prayer. I was driving with my little two little boys from LA to here, and there's a stretch of road where there is no gas stations, and it was in the middle of the night, and my car started sputtering on an uphill grade, and you know what happened then, it stopped, and I was petrified because it was in the middle of the night and I was alone with my two little boys. And I prayed, oh Lord, help me get up this hill so I can coast down. And I tried again and my car started and it felt like someone was pushing my car up the hill. And I forever will think that my guardian angel did that. Ma'am, last one here. Me. <laughs> um, good morning. So listening to some of the comments that I've heard, and I do, I'm a bit skeptical too when it comes to science. However, I believe in two major points. One is to be open-minded when you're asking for a sign. And two, not to be biased, because sometimes we see what we want to see. And it might not be from, you know, God or 
or it's a circumstance that, it, oh, it, you know, it must be God telling me this because it's convenient to me to have that answer. And then what do you do when it, you think it's the answer from God or it's a sign from God and it doesn't happen? The outcome is not what you wanted. I do believe that God is a God of context, God of history, and he works with you where you are in life. Could he change his mind, maybe give you a sign one time in life, and then later on tells you, oh, no, now I'm taking a different path. Although it kind of contra uh, indicates what I told you before, didn't he do that with Abraham? So it's just a comment. I think we should finish with that. <laughs> Thank you, Bethania, for your contribution. I wonder if studying dinosaur bones as you do has anything to do with that. It, 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 um, we, we all in our careers in our professions, our daily experiences, run into situations in which we, are, we feel we are doomed, or we are frustrated, or we are tired. A few years ago, I, I fell into a situation in which I had all of that. I was doing all right in my job. I was, um, my family was doing all right. But I was not all right. I, my wife was having some health difficulties that uh, I, I was, it was hard on me. And um, I felt the, the weight. You know, Paul, the Apostle Paul, talks about feeling the weight of the, of the ministry upon his shoulders. I felt something like that in humbleness, anyway. Um, I felt that I, I, I had so much to do. I visit our universities um, worldwide. I give seminars to pastors, teachers, college students, training in difficult issues, very difficult issues, you know, philosophical, biblical, etc. And at one point I was, I was feeling that I was carrying all this burden with me. And, you know, it never comes just all of the sudden. You, it accumulates, it builds up on you over years sometimes. And that's what happened to me. And it was October, more or less, um, about four years ago. And it was so heavy on me that I began to pray in my office. And I would kneel down in my office, which, by the way, is across the street at the Geoscience Research Institute, if you want to visit me and pray with me. So um, I, I, for, for several days, for several weeks, actually, I was, actually, I was uh, looking for a job outside this country, meaning California, and even in the United States. I wanted to quit. I said, do something different. I can't bear this weight of not being able to reach out to our teachers, our pastors, our students, that all have questions. It was unreasonable. My preoccupation, my worry was unreasonable, but I had it. Do you relate to that? You do. So I, I, one day I was so, I, could, I, I was reading um, book or an article and I could not focus and I would put it away, take it back and, and for about two hours I struggled with that. And then I shut the door and I knelt down and prayed, Lord, I'm tired of this. Help me. 
I don't want to work here any longer. This is, it brings, it's too heavy on me. This burden, burden of having to go everywhere and there are still thousands of people that have not heard. And I, I cried and I prayed and I cried and please, please show me, show me a way, show me a way. I want to do something different. It was a profound prayer. And then I put myself back together, opened the door, and got the book again and said, okay, see if I can read. And then an old man comes who used to be the former director of our institute. And uh, he knocks the door and says, Raul, man. And he, he comes and stands by me, right here, on my side. I'm sitting here. And, and what can I do for you? Do you know where Ronnie is? Ronnie is one of my colleagues. And I said, Ariel, uh, you just walk by his office. Well, but do you know where he is? But, but you just walked by his office. Didn't you see him? Raul, I'm asking you, do you know where he is? Well, I suppose he's in his office, or if not, he might be in the bathroom or in the library. You know, just... And I realized that he was... Mm, it was a weird situation. And I said, Ariel, what do you need? And then he, he turned to me and said, Raul, I just came to tell you one thing. I, I actually came to talk to you, to tell you this. What you are doing is very important to me. Don't stop doing it. And then he left. He didn't give me time to say, well, thank you, well, what do you mean, or nothing. He walked out, he walked away and left. And I was disturbed, you know, how should I react to that? Okay, well, I grabbed the book and resumed reading. Um, maybe 15, 20 minutes after, another man came to, my, to the door of my office. And he stood by the door. Raul, good morning, good morning. Is your son studying at uh, Walla Walla? How is he doing? Danilo, my son is not studying at Walla Walla, and you know that. Oh, yes, he is. No, he's, he's at Southern Adventist University. Well, I, I, are you sure? <laughs> Danilo, <laughs> if, if I'm not sure, my wife is, for sure. <laughs> so, uh, Danilo, what do you need? He said, I... I came to tell you one thing. I have been blessed by your work, by the things that you do. And I came to tell you that please do not stop doing what you're doing. It is very important for me. And then he walked away. What do you think I did? I shut the door? And knelt down and said, Lord, I didn't ask you for a sign. I asked you for a move. Move me out of here. (laughs) (laughs) 
I, 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 came to th I came to realize that there are two kinds of tests. And I call them a priori and a posteriori. I don't know whether you pronounce it like that. One kind of test is before the fact. I wasn't testing God. I was specifically asking, take me away from here. And he took it as a test. Well, he gave me an answer. Sometimes the test is a posteriori. It's after the fact. You don't know, but God answers your questions before you ask them. Isn't that wonderful? So here we have this character, Gideon, who sees the angel of the Lord. And he brings an offering. Somehow the, uh, this offering turns to be a test. Maybe the angel of the Lord knew that Gideon needed an extra, an extra assurance, just a, as I did. I needed extra assurance. By the way, I still have the same job. <laughs> Somehow I needed extra assurance that I was doing all right. So if you, if you look at the, uh, the, the worksheet here, the, this experience with Gideon is what we, many of us do here in our professional work. We test. If you are a medical doctor or a nurse or an um, economist, you are doing tests. Often you are doing tests, whether you know that or not. And you use the scientific method. A few weeks ago, we talked about Elijah, remember? And he used the scientific method to test God in front of the Baal uh, priests. There is a problem. Is this being talking to me, God? Is this being sitting under a tree, God? And there is the hypothesis. Gideon replied, if you are truly going to help me, show me a sign to prove that it's really the Lord, the Lord speaking to me. And as... And after that, he brings an offering. The offering, I guess, is meant to be part of the test. The methodology, don't go away. The angel said, uh, uh, so Gideon said, don't go away. I'll bring my offering. And then he baked. And so there's all the steps. Okay? And then the result, the angel touched the, the offering, burned. And Gideon concluded, yeah, he is God. And that was enough for him to rest assured, right? No, not quite yet. I was thinking about the comments that Roy Ice made in Wednesday warm-up, where he asked the question, is it right to test God? And one thing that I noted as I reread the story this morning was the fact that <clears throat> the angel of the Lord uh, handled that problem right off in the fact that when, you know, he brought the offering, that he uh, gave a sign or a wonder indicating that he was the Lord, and Gideon knew immediately that he was the Lord. And um, I know that I've had times and moments where I have asked for, the, you know, the Lord for a sign, and uh, usually for me it's a scripture or text that um, I will receive that's uh, very clear, 
And um, I think that on occasion, sometimes when we choose a way that doesn't seem pleasant, it still could be the fact that the Lord needs you there in that place because you don't know what encounters he has set up for you to meet up with persons. And I wonder, wouldn't that be sufficient if God gave, his, gave, gave us his word? His word is, is, for us is meant to be his guidance. Should we ask for more? Gideon simply brought what any desert person would have done, some food for a wanderer. God turned it into an offering. It was a burnt offering and a peace offering so that the gift that he brought was transformed into an offering, which I think Gideon recognized, the transformation into an offering to God. And he was thus, it's, the fire obviously made it an offering. The fire came out of the rock, by the way, which is, I think, fascinating. I don't know what to do with that. <clears throat> you don't have to do anything, brother. Because God is able to do that, oh, yeah. not okay. you and I. No. So uh, Gideon recognizes God's ability to take a gift and transform it into an offering. This is a very important point, and it links to what you said. An offering will have wood underneath to burn it, but he doesn't bring wood. Yeah. He brings a meal, right. and the angel makes it an offering. And the angel, of course, doesn't need wood to burn anything. Yeah. What blows me away by the story here, uh, Gideon had the revelation that there is an angel. And then uh, he wanted to still ask for a, for a miracle, for a sign. And uh, he said to the angel, hey, why don't you just stay here for a while? I'm going home, and I fix a, a, a goat, a little goat, and I bake some bread. Now, how long do you think that would have taken him? Five minutes? Several hours. Probably had, somebody might have to kill the, 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 the sacrifice or whatever it was. And then, and so I conclude that the Lord is so merciful and so patient with us. If we are sometimes just dull-brained, he opens our mind or gives us the opportunity, the time to think and to pray and then to act. And uh, so we are strengthened by our experience and we know there's no question about it. I would perhaps go to McDonald's. It's faster. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Uh, he, of course, would burn it. No question. Sorry if there is any McDonald's lover here. Well, I'm trying to put some things together here, and I need your help. According to Ellen White, we're living in the last days. We're also told that in the last days, the devil is going to impersonate Christ. So then we come with these things that we're discussing today. Now, at the very bottom of this first page, is it okay to test whether the voices or impressions we hear are from God or not? Could you please respond? If it is appropriate to test God or not? 
Well, the Bible in one place says, test me on this. Malachi chapter 3. Test me on this. Give your offerings. Bring your offerings and your tithe. And test me on that. See if I will not open the gates of heaven and pour out blessings on you. Um, and there are other places in which God even takes the initiative to tell people, test me on that. It says here, other places in Scripture warn us not to put God to the test. Okay, yes. And even in some, um, some instances, like Matthew 16, we got Jesus being asked by the Pharisees, remember? I got it right here. I was just reading that this before coming here. So I'm ready for your discussing with you. <laughs> okay. So, okay, I, I misplaced it here. You know, these things, ah. <laughs> Matthew 16, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, who are enemies, now they become friends and come to Jesus and say, Will you give us a sign from heaven? Just something, something nice, something that we all see, and then we believe in you. And what does Jesus say? Oh, come on, guys. You know, remember, I had teenagers at home, so I have to do a scripture like dynamic. <laughs> so Jesus said, oh, come on, guys. Are, are you stupid? He calls them dogs, which is worse than that. Okay. Well, sorry, sorry, you know, I know you love dogs, but in, in the Middle East, that was an insult. So, um, he said, are you silly? Let's put it that way. Are you silly? Come on, guys. Just a, a few days ago, we, we gathered 12 baskets of bread and fish where there was nothing before. And now you're asking me for a sign? And he did nothing. What did he say instead? What did he say? Remember? You will receive no sign but the sign of Noah, which points out to his crucifixion, right? Um, what did I say? Noah. Jonah. Sorry. It's just water. Don't think it. Uh, Jonah, thank you. It's the sign of, of Jonah. It's, it's kind of spelled similar anyway. But which points to the resurrection, meaning you want a good sign, you have to wait. You have to wait, brother. You have to wait. Somebody talked about being patient. Being patient and know, know the signs. Know, know the times, know the, the, the setting. The difference with Gideon is when he saw that person under the tree, he immediately recognized that it was the angel of God. He recognized it. He saw that man, and he recognized that it was the angel of God. Question. Are you ready? Will you recognize? Would I recognize if I walk outside and I see a being? sitting under a tree here on campus, and it's God, would I recognize that being as God? Am I ready? Just for you to take home that question. Okay. Uh, I don't know if this relates or not, but it seems to a little bit for me. 
My, my mother told me of a story. She was going home from the grocery store or something. She kind of lived in the hills, and there was a street maybe a block or so from her house. And she had to come up a hill, and um, then there was another street at the top, but really you couldn't see around. There was a tree or something, you know, it was the hill and whatnot. You cannot see, really, cars coming down the street. But she said she got this very strong feeling to slow down, and she followed that and did slow down, and she said just a second later, a car came very fast, and if she hadn't slowed down, it would have hit her for sure. Um, she didn't ask for a sign or anything like that. Um, in fact, I don't even know really how religious my mother is because she was raised in a Catholic church, and the, she said, all she said was the nuns were very mean, so I think that kind of tainted her whole thing with religion, but hopefully not. But anyway, that's the, her yeah. experience. And um, I think the thing is about asking God for guidance, basically, is what this is. I mean, uh, in testing, I mean, when you, when you test God, he, I think he tests you. It's, it's, a, two, yes. it's a mirror. It's a two-way street. That's there. a good point. And then uh, toward the end, we'll come back to that point. Sometimes we ask God for signs and he doesn't answer us. Sometimes he does, just in the case of Gideon. So I was just wondering why some of our prayers or signs that we ask are answered and some are not. Because if you study Gideon, he tested God a lot of times, not only on these instances, but a lot of times he tested God. He asked the cloth to be wet and outside dry and then he reversed it also uh, the outside wet and the cloth dry and so many more uh, he touched God but then God answered him but as I am sure uh, a lot of us here we ask God sometimes for a sign he doesn't he doesn't answer us I, I wonder often I'm sure you all wonder about how God answers and whether he does or not answer. This week I had an, <laughs> an, an interesting uh, experience that relates to that. I was, uh, we were a meeting of three people, and I was talking to a, um, a director of a program, and I was ex explaining to this director of the program that one of the students was not worthy of receiving the grant that actually was um, granted. The scholarship that was granted to him, he actually was not worthy of it. He, he, this student proved not to be reliable and so on, so on, and so on. And the conversation went on because this is a difficult, a difficult uh, situation. And there was this other professor who, who, who works with this student very, very closely. But this, prof this teacher was, was, um, was quiet was not saying anything. But after half an hour of exchanging opinions and conversation, the director turned to this other teacher. And, this other te uh, and he asked her, so uh, um, do you think that this student that Raul is complaining about 
does not really uh, deserve the grant. This teacher did not utter any word, but did this. Look at me. And the director said, I understand. <laughs> no words, no actions, no nothing, just a gesture. And I wonder if I need to learn that from God. How to recognize the gestures that are happening around me that is a way of God telling me, don't do this or do that, go this way, don't go that way, don't say that, be quiet or speak or wait. I wonder. I need to know that. I need to learn how to recognize not only God's words, but God's gestures that happen all the time around us. Oh, here. We have to be careful again. There's a difference between asking for a sign and testing God. When you test something, you expect a specific result. When you ask for a sign, you're leaving it up to God to guide you. But a test, you have, God has to perform to my satisfaction. So you have to be careful about differentiating between the two. And I think that was behind the answer of Jesus to the Pharisees. I'm not going to satisfy your curiosity. Just stick around me and you'll, you'll, you'll see. Uh, there was here. I'm questioning, isn't it necessary for us to know ourselves, too? God's given us certain talents, certain inclinations. I'm afraid of heights. Suppose I say, God, let's do this wonderful thing. You allow me to climb the half dome, even though I'm afraid of heights, and that'll be a sign that you're empowering me. How stupid. <laughs> uh, don't say it to me. <laughs> I'm not afraid of heights. And if God doesn't, if God doesn't follow up, um, he, he hasn't equipped me to do that. He's never called me to do that. I think we need to know ourselves, too. Definitely, yeah. I wonder if at times we're looking at God as genie in a bio, bio, blah, 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 bottle. <laughs> okay. God help my lips. <laughs> so, but... You know, there, there was a time when we looked, a number of us uh, that are friends worked in the library, and so we had access to the E.G. White estate, and there came that whole time with the comment that she was plagiarizing, and I saw people that had been lifelong Adventists, oh, if she plagiarized, I'm leaving the church. Well, it meant that you didn't have the relationship with God. I'm sorry if I'm saying that too bluntly for anyone that felt that way that may listen in, but it's the same thing, I think, when we're looking at signs and tests, the whole basis of the Bible lab is our relationship with God. And if you have that relationship, you know. If I see someone and he says he's Raul, and it's like, well, you kind of look like Raul, but you don't sound like him and you don't really talk like him, I may ask him a few questions to determine if this really is Raul. And we're not always sure. I mean, you enter your own house and someone says, is that you? And there's different things that they know about you that lets them know. I think it's the same thing with God. We don't always have a sure answer, but the closer our relationship, we don't depend on even what Sister White says, whether or not, and not questioning what the lady said, but we have had the time of Christ 
being the last days since Jesus died on the cross. And if that is our only hope rather than the relationship, we get ourselves backed into a corner. Because Knowing God, I think, is the key, is the, 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 the bottom line. Knowing God, which is the, the foundation of this Sabbath school. Knowing God's character. And in the book of Genesis, it talks about a, a man who knew God so well that one day he walked out of the house and never came back. God said, you know, we are so good friends, such a good friends that you keep walking and come with me. Enoch, exactly. So I would like to do that. Of course, I would say something to my wife before. <laughs> but uh, or at least, you know, send a text message or something. But that level, that level of knowledge of God, man, this is something that just a few people have um, achieved. Achieved. Okay, a couple more comments and then we, we, we move on. Good morning. I am new here in Bible Lab and I'm nervous, but I would ask questions anyway. Uh, I was pondering upon the way you answered the questions. Is it right to ask God for a sign? And you answered like you used uh, the way the Pharisees answered the question. And God dealt with them differently as he dealt with Gideon. And I think to my opinion is that you have to why answer the question, why do you ask sign in the first place? For the Pharisee, maybe the, the motive really matters. Like, do I ask for a sign for curiosity or just to test if really can do it? It means it's not of faith. And so God is more after your heart than giving you a sign. And exactly. that's uh, what Gideon, but that's a comment and I ask a question. In the context of Gideon's story, uh, and he, he really did uh, bring an offering. Do I need to bring an offering to get God's attention, to get a sign, or do I have to offer something in the table to merit God's favor? What does the Bible say about true offerings? What is the true offering that God expects from us? A broken heart, a contrited spirit, a mind that is set to understand him. That's the true offering. You know, I, I came to the conclusion in my personal faith journey and also dealing with lots of people in my, in my lectures and my teaching that there's one, one factor that um, there might be more than one. But for me, that's very important one, this one, that determines whether God will answer or not. Like to the Pharisees, he said no, and then next thing he does is he does, some, he does a miracle to heal somebody, or, which is honesty. How honest are you, are you when you're asking for a sign or for an answer? And I believe that the, the Pharisees were not honest in their request. And Jesus did not grant their request. Their, their request. It was during my college years. I studied very hard. But some of my subjects were not good enough. And so I prayed. I said, Lord, please help me. Help me. And I prayed and I prayed. And I came to the point where I could not. Then I said, I could not go any further. Then I said to the Lord, Lord. And I was walking. I was from the dorm walking to the classroom. I said, Lord, if you do not help me, this is my last prayer today. 
and I was totally, totally exhausted. Mm. And uh, I heard this voice, just try. That was it. And then things changed. So the Lord answers, but sometimes he brings us to a point where we just do not know how to continue. Yeah. And uh, the encouraging um, response would be, just try again, and you yeah. will succeed. Um, you know, uh, this, um, your comment uh, and, and, and some of the comments that we heard today here um, points out to a, an, int an interesting fact in human behavior and patterns of, of thought, which is there is a gap there is a gap in, in, in our minds and in our, in our uh, spiritual journey. There is a, a gap between the probable and the proved. Often we, 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 we want proof. We say, I pray God show me. Uh, or God tell me. Give me an answer about. We want proof. We want certainty. We want proof, we want certainty. And what we get sometimes is the idea of probability. Or others, we get proof. But often, as one brother said back there, sometimes I don't get an answer. Which we reply to saying, maybe you, you do, or we do, and we don't know how to read that answer from God. And I think that what we may indeed need is acceptance. Acceptance. You know, this whole story, I know we have some comments here. Let's, let's take one more and then we'll wrap up. Sure. Um, what I wanted to say is um, about over a year ago, I was going through a lot of challenges in my life. And I want to present the concept that sometimes... Um, we're not even able to pray ourselves for something. You don't feel like praying. You don't really know what to pray for. But what I think is interesting is that God actually can hear you even though you're not praying. And so I think it's very dependent on your um, relationship with God because he hears you even though it's in your heart, but you're not able to actually say it out. And so what I want to point out is that it, when I was in that situation, God actually sent three people who are not Adventists. They were three of my patients. And in a row, in one morning, <clears throat> my 8 o'clock patient, my 820, my 840, they each had a very specific message for me um, that was in response to questions I had had in my heart but I actually was not able to even pray about them. So my message to everybody here, I think, is that um, if you have a relationship with God, he hears what's inside your heart. You don't even have to ask for a sign sometimes. You don't have to test him. He hears you. The question is, do you have a relationship open enough to actually hear him? You know, there are two elements in a test or a sign. There's the request and there's, or the question, right? And then the answer. 
I wonder if, actually, I, I, I believe that sometimes our problem is that we don't get the answer, is that we are not asking the right questions to God. And God is waiting, waiting for us to ask the right question, and then he will answer. I want to finish with this reflection. For me, the, the experience of Gideon, and we haven't covered it all. <laughs> Our conversation went on and on with the first part. But the, 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 uh, Gideon's experience tells me three things about faith. Students, you want to write it down? Okay. First, faith is about believing that certain things are true. Faith is, a, faith is about believing that certain things are true. If I don't believe that God is real and exists and, and hears me and has the capacity to talk to me, it doesn't matter what I ask him. I must believe that God exists, he listens to me, that he's real and he loves me. Otherwise, it's pointless to pray, to come to church, or to test him. I must believe that he is true. In, in, in the New Testament, I don't remember which book it says, but it says, For it is necessary that whoever comes to him believes that he is. That he's real. That he's real for you. So, faith is assent. Faith is assent. It is more than a recognition that these promises exist. The promises that we claim from God. It is an awareness that they can be trusted. And uh, Sorry. Before we can begin to say anything about what God is like, we need to assume that there is a God in the first place. We need to believe that He is. He is. That He is sixth. That He's there. He's listening to me. That He's willing to, to have a conversation with me. Second, faith is trust. Actually, that's one of the synonyms, right? Um, when we define faith, we say trust. When I say that I believe in the promises of God, I am declaring that I trust him. It is more than a recognition that these promises exist. It is an awareness that they can be trusted and relied on. Faith is not something purely intellectual, enlightening the mind while leaving the heart untouched. I want answer from God. God, answer me. And I can, can hear God saying in the back, okay, will you change your life if I answer you? What, will, what, what, is, what are you going to change in your daily life, in your behavior, in your patterns of thoughts, in your feelings, if I answer you? Maybe God knows that uh, we're not going to change anything, so why answer? Why answering? I don't know. I'm trying to understand the mind of God. Faith is the response of our whole person to the person of God. It's trust and our response. We think in terms of God answering us, when in reality it should be we responding to him with our lives, with our living, 
sacrifice. And third, faith is entry into the promises of God, receiving what they have to offer. Faith is an action. In fact, faith as is conceived and or is, is um, conveyed in the, in the New Testament, it's a verb, it's an action. It impli implies an action. And we Western people associate it with a mental state, a feeling. No, in the New Testament, faith is an action. You have to do something as a result of. Having recognized that the promises exist, assent, and that they can be trusted, it is necessary to act upon them, to enter into faith. I may believe that God is promising, promis, promising me forgiveness of sins. I may trust that promise, but unless I respond to that promise, I shall not obtain forgiveness. Faith is an action. Faith is not just assent or trusting. It's taking our response and making it an action. Faith to finish with, is like a wedding ring. Do you remember that series of the Ten Commandments? We learned that the Ten Commandments actually are a wedding vows, wedding vows. When I put my wedding ring on my finger, I was, give, I was giving an assent trusting, giving a response, and taking an action. And you know what? It's still there. Think of that. Think, if, you, if God would give you a wedding ring to marry him, will you put it on? Will you keep it on? Oh, thank you, Raul. You did a phenomenal job, and we all love you for it. We can't wait to hear more from you in the future. Now, it is our hope that something that was said during this conversation will strike a chord with you and give you something beautiful to use this week to continue growing closer and getting to know the character of God better and better. Now, I hope you'll come back for episode 42, because in that episode, I lead you into a discovery in the next chapter of Gideon's life. Right after Gideon asked God for signs, it's interesting, God turns around and he asks Gideon for some signs. Does God do that? Does God ask us to give him signs? I hope you'll come back to the next episode and find out. Thank you for listening to the Bible Lab Podcast. If you're planning a trip to Southern California, make sure to reserve your VIP seats in the Bible Lab by emailing us at info at thebiblelab.com. Programs are recorded each Saturday at 10.30 a.m. We hope to see you soon. Until then, we wish you God's richest blessings as you continue to research and develop the character of God.